is Postcards from Grafton. We're exploring the most fascinating people and places in our community and everything in between. We are your hosts, Carrie Mariner and Fred Backstrom, librarians and historians at the Grafton Midview Public Library. This podcast is made possible by the Grafton Village History Association. Today we are talking with Nancy Kaefel about the 1965 Palm Sunday tornado in Grafton. This is a really powerful episode. There's moments where Nancy gets emotional. There's moments where I have chills because of what she's talking about. She's really expressing a traumatic event in her when she was a really young girl. And it was a traumatic event for the, the community. Our history matters. Our community matters. Enjoy the stories. think because we just got what six inches of snow it's mm-hmm. very appropriate that we're talking about extreme weather <laughs> good timing yes we are talking about the palm sunday tornadoes that happened in 1965 and we are talking with nancy again thank you for coming back on the show thank you for having me absolutely so let's maybe talk for a minute what exactly are the palm sunday tornadoes for those who don't know mm-hmm. It was a series of 37 tornadoes took place between April 10th and April 12th um, across the Midwest and the Southeast. So the brunt of it actually happened in Indiana, but Ohio was not far behind. Yeah, quite a bit of damage in the state too, for sure. Yeah. It was actually $1.2 billion in damages. In 1965. No? Yes. Yes. And then um, 256 people died. Mm-hmm. And it is only outranked by a super outbreak that happened in April of 74 as the deadliest string of tornadoes. Oh, really? It's just been that bad, huh? Yes. Hmm. So it still ranks up there high mm-hmm. in history. It was bad. It was very bad. And then it also mm-hmm. served, too, as a catalyst for the warning and watch program for tornadoes. It did. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, some of them were, like the Grafton one was a late at night. Mm-hmm. So, there's a reason it caused so many deaths. Not in Grafton, luckily, but... I think we had one fatality in Grafton that I know of. Yeah. It was our next-door neighbor, yes. Oh, he was, he was your neighbor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My I, dad I, helped I, carry him. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Down to where the ambulance there. could get to him. Because mm-hmm. I've heard of that, but I don't know many... I don't know much about that, yeah. so... Hmm. How about we set the scene a little bit? Yes. Because we're, we're talking about Grafton in 1965. Mm-hmm. How old were you, Nancy, at this time? I was seven years old. I was in first grade at Grafton School, the old Grafton School that's closed up now on Elm Street. And um, it was a beautiful little town. Everybody knew everybody. We walked to school. And um, we could even come home for lunch. We were allowed to walk home for lunch. It was safe. We lived on Sunshine Court. It was like a dead-end street. They called it a dead-end. Now I think they use a word cul-de-sac for some of those that have a rounded ending to the street. But we had like a sandbox at the end of the street that all the children on the street could play in. And we rode bikes. And we just knew all the people on our street. And it was a beautiful little town. My grandpa lived one street over. And he would bring us downtown and let us get candy at the drugstore in Grafton. And Mm. it was a very nice little town to grow up in. Safe. I've always heard good things about Grafton of that era. It was mm-hmm. just a nice place to be. Yes. A lot of friendly people. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knew everybody. Do you want to describe the house that you were in at the time of the tornado? Yes. We lived in a brick ranch style house that my dad, my dad was a longtime school teacher at Midview, Ed Kabuski. 
And um, for his summertime jobs, he worked with Bob Zaremba building homes. And so even to this day on Capel Road over near Midview is Bob Zaremba's home. I believe his wife still lives in it. And our house was pretty much identical to that. It was a brick ranch, three-bedroom, basement, screened-in back porch. And I think we moved in there when I was a baby. I don't actually know what year we moved in, but I know the house was not very old. It was probably six, five or six years old when the tornado hit. So, mm. But, um, yeah, because I was born in 58, and I know we moved in there when I was a baby. So but it seemed like a good solid house, brick, and the tornado did its damage, yeah. I have a brother and a sister, so it was the five of us, my mom, my dad, my brother, sister, and I. Uh, my brother is four years older than me, and my sister is 16 months older than me. I was the youngest. And so the night of the tornado, my mom had said that there were like thunderstorm warnings, but no kind of tornado warnings. And she had seen on the headlines of the 11 o'clock news that there were going to be storms. So she shut any windows that were open because this was on April 11th. So it was just early spring. And um, my dad and her saw a weird flash of green lightning out the front picture window. And they both said, we better get the kids and go to the basement. And so my dad went for my brother. My mom went for my sister. And I happened to get up on my own. And when we all went back through the living room to go down basement, the roof was off. And I can remember that. I can remember looking up and seeing the sky. That quickly, huh? That quickly. And so um, when we got to the basement, my mom, because we were all in our pajamas, because it was after 11 o'clock, and my mom and dad were having us put, like there were coats stored down there and boots and things, and she was trying to have us put things like that on, you know, and... And um, I don't remember the sound, but I remember my brother commenting about the sound. It sounded like a train, and he mm -hmm. said to my mom, do you think this is a tornado? And she said, I think so, because we were all pretty young then. And um, I can remember my dad, like I say, was a longtime teacher, and he had had his vocal cords scraped, and he was supposed to be on vocal rest for several weeks. Oh. But my dad's sister and her husband lived right next door to us, and when we were all down there in the basement, I can remember my dad yelling to my aunt and uncle, calling their names just repeatedly at the top of his, you know, just screaming until they finally answered him and he knew they were okay. Um, and then once it all quieted, my dad went upstairs to check everything out and he came back down crying and said, it's all gone, there's nothing left. So I'm gonna try not to get emotional because when I hear of tornadoes, on the news, it brings back memories to me. But um, so he carried us over one at a time to my aunt and uncle's house to finish out the night with them because she had very little damage. My dad must have walked over there first to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, that their house was intact. And they were right next door and they just had some broken glass in the living room. They had one window get broken or something, but unlike our house that was pretty much, you know, badly badly destroyed and he carried us over one at a time and I was the first one to be taken over and I can remember I think this was in the, the book that we'll get to later the the part that was written in the book um, my dad it was dark and there was all this debris and he probably couldn't see that well but he stepped over what he thought was an electrical wire and come to find out the next morning it was a kite string but he carried us over one at a time until we all could you know 
And I just remember how scared I was sitting there waiting for my brother and sister to get over there to be with me because I was down the basement at my ma my aunt and uncle's house. She had a nice finished basement. And um, anyhow, it was just, I, I can just remember some things so vividly. And the next morning in daylight when we went outside, I can remember helicopters flying around and photographers coming to take pictures and the street was just a horrible mess. So many of the houses on our street were pretty well destroyed. And um, I remember asking my mom, do you think we're going to have school today? And she <laughs> said, that was what was most important to me as a first grader. I never missed school. And my mom said, no, honey, Mrs. Henning will understand why you're not there today. She won't be there either. But, uh, yeah. And, and I can remember my mom commented about this too, that with the roof gone and a lot of the walls down, she could see the thing that made such an impact to my mom was seeing the curtains hanging outside of our house. Mm. So, and in the living room, we had a beautiful long mantle with like figurines all the way across it. And she said, even though we had so much damage, there were figurines, I guess most of them, that weren't even touched, that weren't even broken. But the whole chimney caved in, you know, collapsed in. But there were still figurines that you would, you know, not believe that a tornado had just gone through because they were still intact and no hint of damage to them. It was just um, hard to believe, really, in a way. It's a formative experience and traumatic, especially for you at seven. Mm -hmm. I mean, Very traumatic. Yeah. And then we finished out that school year with my grandpa. My dad's mm -hmm. dad lived one street over my grandpa Kabuski, and he had no damage at all yeah. on Chestnut Street, at least where he lived. Maybe at the other end there could have been some. I don't remember any. But um, we finished out the school year with him, and um, I never wanted to leave my mom. I always wanted to stay with my mom. I, I think I had a lot of anxiety after that for a while. And when I would go walk home for lunch, there must have been one time where I convinced my mom not to make me go back to school when I came home to my grandpa's house for lunch. And um, every time after that, Mrs. Henning would say, Nancy, she'd point her finger at me and say, Nancy, you make sure you come back now today. And my mom would have to walk me back. But I was just very reluctant to leave my mom. So I did eventually get over that, but my mom in later years, if there were storm warnings, she would walk around the house with her rosary praying and saying her prayers. Mm -hmm. And she was very fearful after that. And we were to a certain degree, but not to the point that we made ourselves sick, but we would not hesitate to go to the basement. If mm -hmm. they told you to go to the basement, we went to the basement, mm -hmm. even with my boys when they were little. So I have gotten over a lot of that fear. But yes, it was, it was a huge thing for from the eyes of a child thinking back on it now how scary it was and I know my dad worked for many months to take down the rest of the house you know some people rebuilt and I don't know if it was because of the insurance or because my dad didn't have the heart to do it all over again I'm not sure why but we did not rebuild and my mom and dad held on to that lot for many years until my mom finally sold it after my dad passed away and it didn't look like any of the uh, three of us would want to build on that lot mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and my, I, I think I did mention about the fatality, our next door neighbor, Mr. Hengartner, 
was the one fatality, and I, I don't remember the details. And believe it or not, last year, his daughter, who has grown up now too, and similar in age to me, I'm 63 now, she happened to come into the Groves Produce Market oh. where I work at in the summertime. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was her, and I don't know how that we were talking about. She said she grew up in Grafton, and we were reminiscing about that. And then here it was my next-door neighbor, and it was her dad that was killed in the tornado. And um, I can remember that my dad helped carry him with a couple other men once everything settled and he could go outside. They helped carry him down the street to where the ambulance could get to him, and he ended up dying. I don't know if he was dead already or if he died at the hospital. I don't know all the details, but he was a one fatality. I think it was at the hospital, if okay. I'm not mistaken, but he was pretty severely injured. Mm-hmm. And I and she told me again last summer when I saw her, and I think it had something to do. He was thrown into a tree or mm -hmm. something, something mm -hmm. really horrible. But um, yeah, it was it was very sad, honestly. Mm -hmm. I yes. suppose lucky that he was the only one who was actually actually killed, because it was right pretty severe. And we were lucky. My dad, when he went to get my brother, I guess a beam from a, a neighbor's barn was coming, crashing into the back of our house. My dad threw himself over my brother hmm. to protect him. And my brother, or my dad just took the brown on his shoulder, but he wasn't badly hurt or anything. And then the only other damage I remember to any of us, my sister got glass in her foot. Oh. But other than that, oh geez. Okay. Um, we were very lucky. The good Lord was watching over us because we all survived. So It's because you noticed that flash, I suppose. Your parents noticed mom, that right away. Yes, they, like, she saw is... that weird flash, yeah. a weird green flash of lightning, and she just knew. I've heard that green flash from other people who have talked to us about the tornado, too. So. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the sound. Isn't that strange? I don't remember the sound, but my brother does. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I will say another uh, person we spoke to about this, uh, Doris Wildenheim, didn't remember a sound either. I don't, I don't think she okay. mentioned which she found strange too, but mm -hmm. but other people had. So just yeah. one of those things, I suppose. It's what you're focused on. I guess so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. I am curious because, mm -hmm. like, growing up, we had tornado drills all the time. We do them here in the mm -hmm. library. Was there any kind of preparation that people took back then? Did you know what was happening if it was just a thunderstorm mm -hmm. You know, I know at school we did not have tornado drills at that time. I do not remember ever going through a tornado drill or anything like that. Um, and I know there were no sirens, I don't believe, at that time. I don't remember hearing any sirens. I don't think we had any town sirens. Or if we did, I don't remember hearing them. I don't think we had those at that time. Um... I do remember my mom commenting that in later years after this happened, they would always tell you that if there's a possibility of a tornado, you should leave a window cracked or opened a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she had closed the windows that were open. So I think she always worried that maybe that helped suck the roof off the house because everything was closed up. I don't know. I don't even know nowadays if they're telling you to have any windows open. But now, being a teacher myself, that I, I taught school at Keystone for 36 years, and when we used to have tornado drills, I would tell my students, boys and girls, I can speak from firsthand knowledge. You have to move quickly, and you have to be listening for directions. So, you know, if we have a tornado drill, you have to get in your proper positions, protect your head, you know, and 
but we I don't remember ever having any of that at that time. Hmm. I do know that my mom had a lot of relatives that lived in Pittsfield, and Pittsfield was pretty much wiped off the map. Yes. That was... Almost totally destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... Did you ever share your experiences with your students, or how did mm. the tornado um, impact you as an adult? I, I mm. told my students a little bit. I didn't tell them a lot of details like I'm sharing with you because I taught second grade, and that could be frightening for them. Oh, so. Sure. Um, but yes, uh, when they had the 50th anniversary a few years back, mm -hmm. I think that was the six years ago, maybe, let's see, 65 and 50, it was 2015, I believe is the yes. 50th anniversary. Yeah, we had a and my sister and I went to the, they had a program out at Pittsfield at the mm -hmm. rebuilt town hall. Mm -hmm. And we, we spoke there and we listened to other people share there. It was very interesting to be there and hear people share their recollections of it. Cause we, like I say, were children. Mm -hmm. And we stood up and shared some of what we remembered. And then I came to your program at the library here where you had a program in the community room. And I stood up and I mm -hmm. shared what I remembered as a seven-year-old child. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I always say everything in our lives is sort of in terms of before or after the tornado because that was like a turning point in our lives. And it was after that that we then moved to Elyria. My aunt and uncle that lived in Memphis owned a house in Elyria that wasn't being used. So they told my dad, if you can work on it all summer and repaint and do what you have to do to get it livable, you know, we'll rent it to you. So that's how we moved to Elyria. So we did have a home to move into in Elyria and we never came back to Grafton then. But I, I still do have good memories of Grafton before the tornado and so on. And now that I work in Grafton here at this beautiful library, I have wonderful memories. But yeah, that was sort of a turning point for us. makes sense it was a pretty drastic event for a family to go through mm -hmm. you know, to lose your home and have your lives in danger yes you know. and my dad was a driver's education teacher so mm -hmm. the the administrators at midview after this happened they let him they allowed him to use a car one of the driver's ed cars for a while until we got another vehicle because i believe our car got badly damaged the garage mm -hmm. fell in on it and um they also let us, I think we, we were allowed to go there and use the one, um, what would you call it, the shower area in the one school so we, our whole family mm. could take turns taking showers because five of us ended up moving in with my grandpa and that was probably a huge deal for him to have five of us in with him for a few months. So there were people that tried to help us out and so on. And I can remember that a lot of the things that were in our attic never they never got back. My mom and dad's wedding album, their big mm. wedding album mm. that was stored in the attic, never found it. We have no idea how far or where that went. Um, and a lot of other things that were stored up there, we did not get back. We did have somebody return one of my dresses that went way past Willow Park, somewhere out that way. Somebody mm. found it and they knew it was mine because I had worn it for my school picture either in <laughs> kindergarten or first grade. And they recognized the dress, so they returned one of my dresses to our family. Wow. But I can still remember somebody at the end of our street. Um, we did have some looting, I'm sure, you know, people that just came in and took things before people could go through their debris and so on. And I remember a boy told my brother, we have your sled. We got your sled, and we're not giving it back. Oh, really? <laughs> they knew it was ours because wow. we used to, you know. Sure. And um, 
But uh, those are just some of the memories I've had as a child. So, what what do you remember about some of the, like the aftermath, or I guess the cleanup during it while you were living with your uh, grandfather, right? Yes, yeah. I and and immediately right after, I do remember the Red Cross coming. Mm -hmm and handing out sandwiches and giving sweaters and whatever we needed, you know, to anybody on our street or any of the people that lost their homes. Mm -hmm. I remember their big van being parked at the end of the street mm -hmm. to pass things out. But um, I know my dad worked for many months going, and my sister helped him, and I'm sure mm -hmm. my brother did. Again, I stayed home with my mom. I didn't want to leave my mom, so mm -hmm. I wasn't one that went and helped. But they did take down the rest of the house, and... We, I think we still have bricks from our house. Hmm. We still have some bricks from our house, and we gave some away to somebody else that was a friend of my dad's over the years. Um, but I just remember a lot of people had to work to either tear down the rest of their house and then some rebuilt. Mm -hmm. We did not. But I, I guess, um, let's see, what else do I remember? I, I remember, like, photographers coming to take pictures, and like I say, helicopters flying around to probably, you know, see the damage, and... There is that aerial shot, mm -hmm. looking down uh, Hickory, I want to say, okay. toward the mill, uh huh. which I'm sure your house would have been in that shot at some point. I think so. Looking straight down there. I think I've actually seen that, actually. It had, like, the, like, a swath. Yes, yep. that showed the path that mm -hmm. it took. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it was definitely a scary night. And for us as children, it was, you know, it was just to see my dad break down and cry and say that everything was gone after his, all his hard work to build that house for us. And, um, but like I say, the good Lord watched over us. We all survived, and you can rebuild or you can find a new house, but, you know, you can't replace your life, so. No, that's true. So what was it like uh, going back to school? Did you go right away after? You know, that's a good question because like, it happened a week before Easter. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that maybe the schools might have the school might have been closed the rest of that week because this happened on a Sunday night. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't remember specifically how long we were off. And then the next week was Easter, and then we must have had spring break. So mm. that's a good question. But I'm assuming we at least had a few days off. Mm. I just remember, again, not wanting to leave my mom when it was time to go back. Yeah. I just wanted to stay with my mom. I just, I was afraid to leave her. So, but my brother and sister, I know, they helped my dad a lot work at the, you know, the destroyed house at the site there in Sunshine Court, but I don't remember going back there much myself. And I was pretty little, so they probably thought that would be a little unsafe anyhow, so. Possibly, yeah. With uh, all kinds of debris like that, so. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of dangerous stuff out there. Mm -hmm. You get, especially a child to get injured. Right. Yeah, got to be careful with that. I know there's stories of a lot of uh, power lines and loose electric, you know, gas lines were broken. And you know, Somebody we had an oral history with, um, he was one of the, I think he was a teen, mm -hmm. 18 or something, and he was one of the ones that would crawl in and try to make sure there was nothing, like, spewing oh, <laughs> or dangerous, yes. uh -huh. like, immediately afterwards. Okay. 
do you remember any other kind of like community response during the time beyond something like the Red Cross? I mean, what was it like with, um, what was the local response like, I, I suppose? I'm sure people pulled together to help each other. And mm-hmm. I know I was rereading what my mom had said in the, mm-hmm. in the book. And she said that they did take up collections of money to help some people out and things like that. I don't think I would remember that specifically mm-hmm. myself as a young child, but I know that people pulled together to help each other with the cleanup. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your dad was heavily involved and that this affected him so deeply. Mm-hmm. Did he ever talk about it afterwards? Was it something that he was mm-hmm. quiet about? I, I don't remember him talking about it a lot, but I just know that he put his heart and soul into building that house, and then to have it destroyed so many, just such a few years afterwards, you know, after we moved in there, I, I just know that that was devastating to him. And um, I don't know. I, I just don't think he had the heart to do it all over again. I know that sounds maybe strange, but... I, I don't know. I, I guess I was too young to understand like how much we got from insurance or you know if we could afford to rebuild it or if it was not stable on its foundation anymore. I, I think it could have been that. Um, I just know that for a long time we held on to that property and even though we then rented the house that we lived in from my relatives in Memphis, that was still one thing that my dad owned. He mm-hmm. still owned the lot, even though the house wasn't on it anymore. True. So it wasn't until after he passed away that my mom finally decided, you know, we might as well sell it and let somebody else build a house there and enjoy it, you know, because none of us were interested in moving back to Grafton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think that he held on to it for all those years, maybe thinking, you never know, maybe he thought down the road he would, build another house here I I'm not sure but he knew that was something he owned at least so yeah. they were attached to it it was important to them mm-hmm. you know it was the first home they had with their family right you know yeah with everyone there absolutely and I have good memories of you know mm-hmm. walking to school from that house and and our swing set in the backyard and and just going to Willow Park, we could cut through the backyards and go across the little creek and go into Willow Park. I mean, oh, yeah, we did yeah. things like that, you know, growing up. And yeah, so I have I have good memories. I mean, I remember things from even though I was so young. I do remember some of the things we did, and we could have our friends over and we rode bikes with them. And it was just a nice small town to grow up in for a child because mm-hmm. it seemed safe. You didn't have the problems that you have nowadays. and mm-hmm. so. Do you remember anyone else moving away after the tornado? That's a good question. I think most of the people on our street, I believe most of them rebuilt in some form or another. There might have been some that moved away, but I don't remember who. Um, I don't know if Hen Gartner stayed there once her dad passed away. I don't think they stayed. I think they might have moved away. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I want to talk a little bit about this book that you were featured in, Mm -hmm. um, The Night of the Wicked Wind. 
tell us a little bit, like, how were you approached for this? What was the process like? Okay. Um, well, my dad passed away in 1987, and it was some years after that. It must have been 2000, I think the date is in, I think you got that published in 2003. So it had to be the summer of 2002, I believe, that this man called my mom's house, Roger Pickenpaw, and um, he asked for my dad, and that sort of caught off. I think my sister was at my mom's house at the time, and she might have been the one who answered the phone, and she said, can I ask who's calling? Because we didn't want to offer the information right away that my dad was deceased. We, you know, it seemed strange that somebody would call asking for him. And as the conversation went on, this man explained that he was an author and he was doing research for a book that he was going to be writing about the Palm Sunday 1965 tornadoes. Mm -hmm. And he gave us the names of some other books that he had written so we could look him up and make sure that he was a valid author. Sure, and so sure. once we did that, you know, he gave us a, his number for us, I guess, to call back. You know, he said he wanted to come and interview us. And so once we looked him up and made sure it was all legitimate and all that, he made arrangements to come to my mom's house. And so it, I believe he lives down in southern Ohio somewhere. And um, he came to my mom's house, and my brother, my sister, and I all made arrangements to be there because, of course, we all, we, none of us lived at home at that time. We were grown. And he came to my mom's house, and he interviewed all of us mm -hmm. and asked us questions. What did we remember? My mom shared with him. She knew the most, of course. She was an adult, and she would remember the most of you know what she wanted to share about the tornado. And um, let's see. He, my mom gave him a picture because my mom had a picture of what our house looked like shortly after the tornado hit, but when the cleanup was just going to be starting, what, what was left of the house. And he featured that in his book. And um, very pleasant man, very nice. We shared our memories with him, and I think he had all of our, any quotes that we made or anything that we specifically said, he included that in the book. And he had it published in 2003, and the sad part was my mom passed away before his book came out. Mm -hmm. So she never got to see the finished copy. But he did send us all copies. He sent two to me so I could share one with my boys. And then he autographed one for each of us. And um, we let him know. We did let him know that my mom passed away. And he responded back. He felt so bad that she never got to see the finished book. But very nice man. And he did a lot of research. He interviewed the Grabuskis from Grafton. They were quoted mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm and I think some other people from the Pittsfield and LaGrange area. So he did do a lot of research, and that was a, that was sort of an unexpected surprise to be included in the book, to have our memories documented, so that was nice. Yeah, especially for mom, too. It's, it's her words are in there now mm -hmm. <laughs> forever, which is great. Mm -hmm. And can share with other, share with the rest of us. Yes. You know, important things to remember, and think about mm -hmm. yeah so that was just that just sort of was a unexpected surprise that this even came about and he's written several other books and I think a lot of them have been about weather related um, disasters or events so and I'm trying to think he, I believe he came to the 50th anniversary program that was at Pittsfield. I think that's when my sister and I saw him. 
to talk to him again. Hmm. And I think it was might have been then that we told him about our mom, or maybe we also had been in contact with him through a phone call sooner. But I believe he was there at the 50th anniversary hmm. of the tornado. So. I'd love for you to share what your sister included in the book about the sunset. I think that's just... Oh yes, mm. my sister. Thing. Through her, through her eyes, the st- swing set was like the strongest thing that she thought could, you know, perce- you know, it, through a child's eyes, that's a big deal, you know, to have your swing set. And then uh, when it got knocked down and blown over or whatever, destroyed, she just couldn't believe that, you know. She just thought that was unbelievable that our swing set wasn't standing, didn't make it through the storm shows you what a child's perspective is with yes. that kind of stuff and, it, and how traumatic that can actually be if mm-hmm. what's something you think of as invincible is mm-hmm. damaged it's got to be tough yes for, you know any child honestly and i think at first my mom tried to make my sister like i say i got up and was sort of wandering around i i don't know but she was, and when she first went to get my sister, she was trying to make her crawl under the bed because she didn't think we had time to make it to the basement. But I'm sure my dad yelled, let's go to the basement, mm-hmm. go to the basement. So then we all did continue down. But at her first instinct was to make her crawl under a heavy piece of furniture to be protected. So, Do you think your dad had any, as a teacher, do you think he had any training maybe that he knew of that you, you wouldn't have? Because he, you know, as a teacher, he would have to be responsible for, you know, students. I would think that I he wonder. might have. Yeah, I, that's a good, good question. Because, like I say, I, I wonder if we even were doing any kind of other than fire drills at that yeah. time. I don't know. Especially if he moved so quickly. He was also a coach, and yeah. you know, he probably knew how to do first aid and things yeah. like that from his coaching that mm-hmm. he did. So, I would think he had that kind of training, but. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sure that they, you know, being a teacher, you're right. They must have had to know how to react in certain situations. So, yeah, he must have had some knowledge of of what to do. Yeah. It's important to have that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. As, you, as you know, as a former teacher yourself, it's... Yes. You need to be able to react. Yes. Why do you feel it's important to share your experiences between the book and this podcast? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you feel people should know or a reason you feel compelled to share it? I think people should take it seriously when there are storm warnings. And if they tell you to seek shelter and go to the basement, I think you should do that right away. <laughs> I don't think you should hesitate. Um, I just think people could benefit from knowing how quickly a storm like that could occur and do damage and you know, that there could be fatalities. And when I watch coverage on the news now of tornadoes that have hit other places, it just, it like opens a wound for me because I think I know what those people are going through. I I can identify with that. Even as a young child, I remember things so vividly in my mind. So I guess I would just encourage people to take storm warnings and, and things like that seriously and move quickly. And if you know what to do, it helps you. Yes. In the end. Yes. Definitely. And if you don't have a basement, then you have to crawl under something heavy or go to an interior room in your house with no windows. I mean, yeah. And from the time our boys were little, 
because we have three boys that are all grown now. From the time they were little, we tried to go over things like that with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there would be a house fire, you meet by a certain tree out front. You know, you get out of the house, you know. If there's a tornado warning, we go to the basement, and this is the area we'd go in in the basement, away from windows and so on. Mm-hmm. So we tried to instill that in them because of what I went through, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And um, I just think it's a wise thing to do. They have a plan with your family, and especially if you have young children, to for them to know what you would do. And I don't know that we had a family plan at the time when the tornado hit us, but my dad and mom knew to go to the basement, so and we, we did go down there, although the roof was already off by that time, but we did still have some protection down there. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so a lot of people probably don't. If you, if you don't live where you get a lot of tornadoes, you probably don't. Right. You know, think about that. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should, because you could have a tornado. There hasn't been one in Grafton since, but that doesn't mean it. <laughs> you never know. That's right. You have to prepare. We always used to try to reassure my mom and say, Mom, I, I don't know that it would happen again. You know, try to stay calm. Yeah. And, yeah. But she would she would get really worked up and like break out in a cold sweat, mm-hmm. and she just, yeah, it stayed with her longer than it did with the rest of us, I think, so. Easier for children to maybe rebound, but she had three small children mm-hmm. who all could have <laughs> been seriously injured, mm-hmm. so. Makes sense for her to be <laughs> affected in a different way. Yes. Yeah. And to describe your life as before and after the mm-hmm. tornado, I mean, clearly this is something that has stayed with you and your family for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's definitely true. And then when my mom and dad had their 25th wedding anniversary, and of course we were living in Elyria by that time, we actually went back, to my brother and sister and I, to get a gift for my parents. We went to the photographer that did their wedding photos, yeah. and we were going to get their album remade, because they do have one small album that was a very tiny one, That was and my mom did not lose that one. But we were going to get another big one made for them, and believe it or not, the photographer, Mr. De La Barre, his name was, had had a flood in his office, and he lost all his negatives, so it was impossible oh. to get a new album made. So, but believe it or not, I was able to wear my mom's wedding gown that made it through the tornado. Oh, that wow. was one thing that was not lost, and I'm sure it was stored in the attic. I'm quite sure it was stored in the attic. She had it in a box. It was not really preserved like people preserve wedding gowns now. Mm-hmm. But her wedding gown made it through the tornado, and I was able to get it redone. They had to renovate it. First they told me, let's see if you could get it to be dry cleaned. If it can withstand the dry cleaning, then it will be. It would hold up for your wedding day. Mm-hmm. So we got it dry cleaned, and it made it through that fine. They had a couple repairs they had to make where it had a couple of rips, and they had to take it in and add a little piping around the neck for me because my frame size was just a little bit smaller. And um, it had the beautiful long sheer, not gloves, but do you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. come, they're, I don't know what they're called, but it came with her wedding gown. And I had to buy my own veil, but I was able to wear it. And what a nice treat that was. And my mom even said, 
are you sure you don't want to buy a dress that has a beautiful long train? And I said, no, I want to wear your dress. Yeah. So I was able to wear it, so I wore it, and I, we got married at St. Mary's in 1989, and that was the same church that my mom and dad had gotten married in years before in 1953, and it was just wonderful. I got to wear my mom's dress, made it through the tornado, and it was wonderful. So that was one thing that she did not lose. But I know there were a lot of things they did lose, and we have no no way of knowing where they went to or how far they traveled. I'm trying to think the next. I can remember there was a picture in the roller, and my dad picking up some of the debris and going through stuff. He was carrying my baby, my little baby buggy that I pushed my dolls around in, you know, because there were two girls, and I love dolls. I got a doll every year for Christmas. So there's a picture of him. He saved my baby buggy, you know, to push my dolls around in. And there were some things I think we were able to save a bike and some clothes, some things that might have been intact in dressers were able to be saved and mm -hmm. some dishes and things that were in the cupboards that didn't have any damage. Like my mom was able to save the figurines off mm -hmm. the mantle and things like that that just there was no rhyme or reason to what got destroyed or what didn't get destroyed. Kind of crazy. And that's special about your mom's wedding dress yeah. that survived and that you were able to wear yes. it. Mm -hmm. I, I just, that meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And I know my mom, you know, it was a huge honor for my mom to see that I got to wear her dress. And mm -hmm. so that was one lasting mm -hmm. thing that was able to be carried on. So that was wonderful. Thank you to our guest, Nancy Casemal, for joining us today and to our listeners for exploring this page of Grafton history with us. For more local history content, check out the Grafton Review Public Library's collection online. If you have a question for us or a topic you'd like us to explore on a future episode, email us at postcardsfromgrafton at gmail.com. This has been Postcards from Grafton. <laughs>